This is Fork, Berry, Kill, the podcast that forces you to make life or death decisions about food. We propose the ideal version of three foods and ask you to fork, marry, or kill. Fork, 24 hours of indulgence. Marry, a lifetime of ecstasy. Kill, you'll never eat it again. We're starving, let's do this. Great to see you again. Hi. Hey. I'm Allison. I am joined, as always, by Marley and Brandon. And this week, we have a very exciting guest for you. It is Ronnie Chima of Chima's Travel. Hi, Ronnie. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. It's really exciting to have you on. Um, I feel like we've been like, you know... Instagram buds for a while so it's very nice to have like some quality time on zoom (laughs) exactly it's it's yeah you were my big uh you were one of my big follows during the pandemic with all the new people showing up and I'm like yeah so a lot of your content your stories too and the podcast like really put a smile on my face so yeah thank you that's nice it's been a rough year so that's very nice to hear um and likewise I feel like you know just even thinking about travel especially sort of food focused travel in a time where that wasn't really a thing that could happen um was a really nice sort of like taste of the of the future it was a little bit of like a promise of things to come which I definitely want to delve into Um, but before I do I just want to sort of like yeah give people a little bit more of an intro to you Um, so you are a culinary travel specialist at Chima's Travel which is a boutique travel company Um, and you know just from what I've seen on your Instagram and um, that's at Chima's Travel for everybody who's listening we'll link it in the show notes but it's C-H-E-E-M-A-S travel on Instagram. Um, but it just seems like you have gone to some pretty incredible places and that you're sort of conducting these tours in a way that is um, really rooted in, you know, telling the story of the cultures that you're visiting through their food traditions and food practices. And I think that's always for me, whenever I travel, kind of my favorite way in, in a way. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear more about how that got started for you and just sort of how things are now in this world that we are in that is very in between places. I know. Um, so uh, I actually used to be an art director at the Food Network and I designed all the fake food labels that you would see on all the cooking shows. That's so like if you cool. saw, we can talk, if you saw Rachel. We can talk about this for an hour. It's fascinating. I know. <laughs> Um, so like if you saw Rachel Ray pull out chicken stock and you're like, what is that? Yeah. So that was uh, what I did for five years. It was like permanent freelance. So I would like work for a month, have off for a month, work for a couple of weeks, have off for a couple of weeks because I would only work during the shows. And during that time I would travel. And one of my first big trips was to go to Turkey with my cousin. And that was my first international trip. And it was with her, um, with her band and their photographer's girlfriend wouldn't let him go without her. And they were like, I guess you're not coming. And it was last minute. And they're like, hey, you're, I went to art school. Like, you're an artist. 
you have a camera. You want to come to Turkey? I was like, yes. And it was my first like real international trip going over the Atlantic Ocean. And I was addicted. I changed my flight from going from Istanbul back to New York to go to Florence, Italy. And then I went to Barcelona, Spain. And I was so broke because I didn't know how to budget either. I was just like, uh, no one tell mom and dad. Uh, but I, I messaged my sister, messaged my friends. And of course, my sister told my parents. I'm like, how does she get like $1,500 to send to me? I thought she was broke. So, um, but because of that, like, that was that when people talk about the travel bug, it bit me hard and then burrowed itself into me because I was like, I loved working at the Food Network. I love being around food. Um, I learned a lot while I was there uh, because I didn't work with the art department. I worked with the kitchen, the test kitchen. So, so their interns, the chefs who went to culinary school, they would clean all the labels off the bottles for me that nobody <laughs> wanted to do. Not even I wanted to do that. And what's funny is Esther Choi of Mukbar used to be an intern at the Food Network. And she was one of the, just one of the people, one of the externs or interns, whatever they call them, who helped me (laughs) with the bottles. And, um, but there, like, I would be allowed to be with them during a family meal. So there were times where, uh, like, they were making lamb, lamb uh, lollipops, yeah? Mm, Yeah. And... They were asking everyone, so how do you want your lamb? And I would say, well done. And I would always say, so well done, I want it burnt. Now, it was that cliche of a record screeching, the faint scream in the background, and a plate breaking. And they looked at me and they're like, you're going to get it rare. And I was like, "Uh, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Because I grew up with a Puerto Rican mother who in Puerto Rico, there's no such thing as al dente. Yeah. There's no such thing as rare. If I gave my mom al dente pasta, <laughs> she would be like gagging. Like, like what, what is this? This is undercooked. It's not. It has to be like so overdone. Um, so that's what I grew up with. And just kind of repeating what my mom would always ask for in places. And uh, I was like, yeah, well done. They said no. They gave me really, really I think, I feel like it was extra bloody Mm -hmm. piece of lamb and it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then I had duck for the first time because I'm, I'm just an eater, but I didn't know like what was why I just knew, Oh, I want some chicken. I want this. This sounds good. I'll eat that. But I had duck for the first time, which was also rare. I had, uh, I learned I was allergic to pumpkin seeds <laughs> during my time. That mole sauce had pumpkin seeds. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was fun. And then uh, because of that, like, it was so educational and it really opened up my horizons. And with the combination of Anthony Bourdain to no, no reservations, I just, and the fact that I went to Turkey and I finally started traveling, it was, I get chills now. Um, just at that time in my life, I had no idea that travel would be eventually that path that I took. And then um, after five years at the Food Network, uh, the the show that started me off that because it was my dream job was the show that killed my spirit and I'm like I'm oh. done with this this is this sucks uh, I left and I wanted travel to 
be something in my life. I didn't know how, I didn't know what would happen. And um, so I picked up a design job in Dhaka, Bangladesh. It was a freelance design job. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to be traveling. But then I'm like, shit, I really hate designing for other people. And then I was like, all right, I don't want to do this. I'll teach English. So then I lived in Spain for a brief moment, moved to Korea. Their English was way better than mine. (laughs) They would correct me. (laughs) They would always correct me. And I'm like, good, you caught the trick I was trying to pull on you. Yeah. So um, when I came back to the States, that's when it was just like, uh, I need travel to be it. And it took probably like two years after I got back from Korea to – meet uh, an ex-boyfriend's best friend who's a luxury travel consultant. And I was like, what is that? She's like, travel agent. (laughs) It's like, oh, they exist. They're relevant. (laughs) So that's how I got into the industry. Met her, met all the other people, um, got trained, joined the industry. And I was planning a lot of trips for Venice, Florence, Rome, like over and over and over again. Disney cruises and cruises are not my thing. They didn't fulfill me. They're like super easy money, but it's just like for so many reasons that I won't get into. It's just (laughs) not my thing. And eventually I was like, I really miss working at the Food Network. I miss working with chefs. I learned so much. This world is such an incredible place. Everybody just wants to go to Venice, Florence, Rome, maybe Paris, Uh, and they might go crazy and go to Japan and go to Tokyo, but no one was asking for South Korea. No one was asking for, um, surprisingly, I didn't get a lot of requests for Spain or Portugal. Um, and I had just visited Switzerland for the first time. And I'm like, this place is enchanting as fuck. (laughs) Oh my God. Like people live here and like no one wants to come here. I don't understand. So that's where the group trips came into play. It started with South Korea because I, I heard some travelers say, Oh, I've been to South Korea, but it was like a quick layover in Seoul. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. it's Korea. It's a, it's a country and it's small. So you can go from north to, well, like the North border (laughs) to the very South in like five hours. In a, by by bus, by car, you know. So that's where it came from. Just this desire to work with people in the food world, uh, work with travelers who are just as obsessed as I am and get excited about, you know, eating the world's best kebab in the middle of, Tur- like in Gaziantep, Turkey, but they don't know, you know, what else to do and they don't care. They just want to eat the kebab. So those are my those are my travelers and those are the kinds of trips that I like to plan. So this is just how it all kind of fell into place just because, um, yeah, I love food. I love travel. How can I make this my life and be happy? Like yeah. my happiness was most important. Not I knew money would happen, but like <laughs> if I'm miserable doing something, you're going to sense it because I'm really honest (laughs) if I'm hating something. So yeah, I needed to make myself happy. And so far it's been amazing. What an incredible story. Yeah. That was a short version, by the way. (laughs) That was the extremely short version. So how long has it been? When, when did you, when did, yeah. When did you organize that first trip? Yeah, it was two, 2017 was the first time I did the trip. I joined the industry in September 2014, 
and then went off on my own September 2016. And then 2017, in the like winter, I guess, is when I designed the first trip. But I never sold it because I didn't push it. Mm. I was so afraid of doing something that was so out of the box. And all the other travel consultants, like, they don't do things like this. Right. So I didn't have anyone to um, uh, be my mentor or someone to look up to or help me with it. So I was really on my own. And I would talk about it, but I wasn't pushing it. Then it was 2018. I actually sold two seats on the trip because a Michelin star chef bought it out. Oh. Uh, yeah. Sarah Hennick of Yoso in a town I can't pronounce in Germany. <laughs> it starts with an A and then it's long. Um, she, she, uh, she has her Michelin star restaurant. Then her husband has a two star Michelin restaurant in the same village, wow. but she had just got her star and her publishing company, um, they're a travel agent. They have their own person they work with in Germany. They didn't know anything about Korea. Um, and they found me through the partner that I work with in Korea. Um, and they, they, they bought out the trip. Wow. So cool. So then they took it. So that was the first time it went off. And then, uh, yeah, that's that. So cool. <laughs> Wow. So cool. Again, I can always keep I'm going. Ready. No, I'm ready yeah, to book right now. That sounds incredible. I know. It's, yeah. Wait. So, what do you have? What do you have coming up? Like, what are some of the the trips that you're working on right now? So, I still have South Korea because that's my baby. Yeah. But it's also the last itinerary of this one I'm going to do, just because I want to show travelers more of South Korea. So, I'm going to focus on the South South Korea. <laughs> like the southern parts of South Korea, because that's where I lived for a year. And we have Japan and the focus is coffee. That's so because cool. I hated, I hated coffee. Again, Puerto Rican mother, <laughs> yeah. it was cheap dollar store Caribbean coffee right. that like, you know, that's what I grew up with. And I tried to go to Starbucks once and I was like, this smells like diarrhea. <laughs> like, how do you do this? So I'd always get like a hot chocolate or peppermint hot chocolate in the, you know, there goes our advertising with that. <laughs> <laughs> you can start it after. Like, after it this. smells delicious. But, <laughs> like, I mean, even in new, it was in new, in, um, oh, what is the intersection where Christopher street is, where the one train is. I always Seven wondered why that in. corner yeah. yeah. I always wondered why that corner just smelled like that. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> In case it becomes fun. Like that. <laughs> and yeah. And then like my, my friends would be like, oh, that's that's the Starbucks. That's I'm like, how does anyone drink this stuff? So I went to Japan with my partner who's a coffee aficionado. And I had uh, such an emotional experience with drinking coffee, just the most simple thing. And I took a sip of one at this one place in, um, uh, on like a side street in Harajuku. And the second it touched my tongue, it felt like my mouth was having a psychedelic experience. Yeah, I could taste all the notes all across, across my tongue on the roof of my mouth. It was incredible. So you, yeah, you can go to Japan for ramen, sushi, etc. But the focus with this one is coffee. We're going to Portugal. That one sold out really quick. So we have a second trip to Portugal. We had Galicia, Spain, and that focus was wine and seafood yeah. because some of the world's best seafood comes from 
well, Galicia, um, Asturias, and the Basque region, uh, and Egypt. Wow. Wow. And that that's the only destination I personally haven't been to because we were going to do India. And I usually have a trip that's for self-identifying females. Cool. And um, it was meant to be India in 2020. So, of course, that got all the trips for 2020 got canceled. Yeah. Mm. And um, Egypt was never on my list as a destination because I think of over tourism when it comes to planning the trips and Egypt is uh, a magical and mystical place, but it's like, they don't need me. Right. They don't need my group, but now they do. Mm. So now is the time to go to Egypt with like barely, I mean, travels picking up, but like barely anyone there, probably less than half of the, the, the travels that you would even see there. So we would have the pier, kind of almost have the pyramids to ourselves, the Sphinx to ourselves and have these experiences. Wow. So I'm really excited for that one. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I looked on your website and read all about the Jap- Japan trip. That uh, sounds incredible. Looks incredible. Yeah. It's going to taste incredible. <laughs> I can only yeah. imagine. I mean- <laughs> It's you're right. The coffee culture there is truly amazing. And I feel like even just I remember, you know, staying in Osaka in this like, you know, hotel and like next door was just this little cafe. It was not like any sort of like we are a fancy coffee shop cafe, but just, you know, getting a coffee there and like them putting these adorable little like bears in the foam on my latte like you know it's just like that was just that's just what they did it wasn't like we're some you know it wasn't like going to like some super you know well-known coffee place it's just like it's just so integrated into into the culture which I think is you know it's that to me is an indicator of like the deeper cultural things there of like taking so much pride in everything that they're doing and sort of, you know, taking time to do things, you know, the right way and, and with craft and with care. But, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so fun. And that's the thing. It was really hard to not just start screaming. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Over you. Because if you think about it, it's, they put, there are people who put 30 years of their life into making a broth. Right. 30 years of their life separately, someone else doing noodles. Yeah. And it's just like, imagine if your if your favorite or best cup of coffee here in the States, you know, you're like, oh, this is the best. I can't imagine anything else being better. <laughs> Go to Japan and imagine what that would be like because there's so much love and appreciation. There was um, and I can't find who this person is. There was a YouTube video um with this uh uh this couple who eats their way through Tokyo, well, through Japan, and they went to get a cup of coffee from this place that does pop up. So there's always like a new um, barista in there. And he was grinding the beans with a, the, they don't call it this, but it's the mortar and pestle, you know, the the one that they use with the thinner stick. And it took them like 25 minutes to get, <laughs> to get their cup. But they were like, we've never seen this before. And yeah. how much love and appreciation goes into every single thing that it, uh, I, I like to think of what you put in your body, all the foods and there. Yeah. Again, there's so much love and that's why I think it's all pretty incredible. So yes. It's a better than Starbucks. Absolutely. You're saying just, so, but, yeah, like, just a little Starbucks. better than Starbucks. Then. Just a um, little. A smidge. All right. We got to get to our <laughs> FMKs here. Okay. All right. Um, well, Ronnie, 
<laughs> After all of this conversation about, um, you know, the foods of the world and the, you know, care and craft that goes into them and uh, these, you know, flavors that are really like of a place, you know, going through the questionnaire that we sent you, there was a lot there. There was a lot to sort of try to like choose through. And for, you know, the FMKs, it can be a challenge because we want there to be sort of a through line and a thread. But because like you are, you know, traveling everywhere, trying all of these different cuisines. Also, it sounds like you were raised, you know, in a household with also kind of a breadth of cuisine. Um, and so what I what I really glommed onto from your questionnaire was in the section where we ask, you know, what food or drink do you crave when you're drunk or stoned or sad or PMSing or whatever? And you mentioned Chinese food and not the real healthy stuff that you find here in California. I mean, New York City takeout. <laughs> and I will, it is very yeah. specific. It is a very specific thing. And also, I will say, I mean, I'm, you know, in Paris right now, there is Chinese food here it is not you know is not the same as like the new york city sort of like cantonese american uh kind of like you can get you know egg rolls but you can also get chicken wings and it's like it's very much its own specific uh experience that like yes also when drunk or stoned or sad or pmsing i crave that too so this might have been <laughs> a little bit motivated <laughs> by my own feelings of fomo and self interest um but okay. because those menus are so expansive and I feel like everybody really has their kind of go-to dishes. Um, we found it a little challenging to just pick three ourselves to give you. So what we're going to do this week, which is the same as what we did two weeks ago with our last guest, is we are going to utilize our um, wheel of subs, which we normally spin for like, you know, if you're stuck and you need a substitution. Okay. We just plonked a bunch of our favorite uh, dishes from like a New York Chinese restaurant into here and we're going to spin it and just randomize this whole process. So once okay. again, we don't know where we're going to get here. We'll pick, you know, th whatever three come up and then we can debate. Um, so without further ado, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to so go ahead and spin. Here we go. And I, I do actually want to add that I have had Chinese food in Rome. And it was because I had spent like over a week in Italy and I was really missing uh, Chinese food. And again, back to Anthony Bourdain, oh, wherever the locals are, that's where yeah. you should at least check out. So I went to a Chinese restaurant and it was for Italians. That's, okay. That's it. <laughs> it's Chinese food for Italians. What does that mean? The same thing. So it was... There was a lot of tomato, okay. <laughs> uh, a lot of like saucy Weird. elements. And I feel yeah. like I can't, I, I'm not, cause it was so long ago. It was in 2009. And I just remember the textures were, uh, <laughs> I'm, it's going to sound weird, but like milly mm. or like if something was supposed to be fried, mm. but they put sauce over it. So the the fried bits became mushy. Mm. So there was like a lot of that. And it could have just been because 
maybe that was a place for tourists right too so but I just I stopped that but it was an experience (laughs) for me to learn oh Ronnie like if you decide you want to go to I was gonna say England for Indian food but no it's amazing over there (laughs) it's amazing so that doesn't work (laughs) but you know where I'm going like it's it's, everyone has whoever wherever you are the food is made for the locals it's not made for you and your and your um yeah, buds. I right. went to a Chinese yeah. restaurant in yeah. Belize and it was a very similar like I see what they're trying to do. It's not what I wanted, but like, you know what? <laughs> Here we are. Well, and wasn't it so the thing that I find interesting about the Chinese food in Italy thing is that wasn't it and I don't know if this is just like urban myth or whatever, but I read somewhere that it was actually Marco Polo who brought noodles back to Italy that like he, you know, went to China and went to Asia, like traveled all around and was like, oh, these people are doing really cool stuff with rice and wheat and then brought that back. And so the origins of Italian pasta actually are rooted in in Asia. That's that's what I've heard. Yeah, no, I, I've heard I've heard the same thing. <laughs> we'll have I mean, to, it makes sense. We'll have to follow yeah. up. Someone in the audience can fact check that later. For us. <laughs> <laughs> but it is very I like the idea of it, it is very global feeling. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of a full circle moment. You're eating Chinese food with tomato sauce in Italy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, tomatoes are not, as far as I understand it, not a big part of Chinese cuisine in China. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting combo. Well, anyway, back Let's spin okay. that wheel. Let's spin so it again. Let's okay. do it. Yeah. We'll do it again. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and spin for the first one. All right. We've got Kung Pao, and that can be Kung Pao, whatever you want, um, which is, I think it's interesting. It hadn't occurred to me to put that one in. I think it was either Marley or Brandon who added that. Um, and I, I do love it. That's like, I think, classically Szechuan. But I think when you get it in a New York Chinese restaurant, it's often... Not really. Not very spicy, but that's cool. Okay, we'll set that one aside. Spin again. Okay, we've got sesame chicken as number two. A classic. Okay, and now last one. Suspense. Wonton soup. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right. So we've got Kung Pao, whatever you want. I think usually it's chicken, but obviously that could be whatever. Uh, Sesame chicken and wonton soup is our three. And don't forget the wheel is still here. So if like, you know, you get stuck or whatever, you decide you want to, you know, Hail Mary and swap one out, we can always spin the wheel again for one of them. Oh. I want to swap out the Kung Pao chicken because okay. I've never had it. So that oh, was an easy, right, like, easy. Kill, yeah. Okay. We're going to do it. Here we go. That's why we have the wheel. I love it. I love when the wheel gets Okay. So we landed on Mushu. Have you had like Mushu okay. pork or Mushu I- veggie or anything like that? I have, yes. Okay, cool. Okay, now this made it hard. Ah, good. <laughs> I know, good, I love Mushu. Um, cool. So then, yes, our final three then are sesame chicken, wonton soup, and Mushu, whatever you want. <sighs> okay, so I would marry wonton soup because that has been the uh, 
the New York style version of wonton soup has been very hard to find here in California, uh, where it's like a really thick dough and like the little bit of pork that's in there. Everyone pretty much has the same style. And out here, I've actually been finding um, wonton soup, like versions that I'm enjoying with like shrimp and really big pieces of pork and like a whole array and vegetables. So I think of this like really, where am I going to get my nutritional value, <laughs> like my, my nutrients from? And it's going to be, what? oh, but so does mush. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. Wonton soup. Because I, I, I fucking love soup. I don't, yeah. Except gazpacho. That's a whole other oh, story. I'm with you. But it's, it's so upsetting. And so, okay. Wonton soup, mar- um, I would marry. I'd fork sesame chicken, but I'm allergic to sesame seeds. Right. So I've I've ordered it before. Yes, and I love Korean food. It's very it's the only bit of Korean I know how to say really well is chumke allergia soyo. Like no. But um I always ordered it saying sesame chicken without the sesame. Mm. So, so that works. Still. So is that basically that like that's basically sweet and sour chicken then, isn't it? It's not. Oh, I mean, it's fine. It's, I'm, I'm it's, just, it's fine. I'm just like no I am. One, I'm sort of asking no one myself what. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not that you're wrong. It's more just like I'm like, well, what would be the closest, you know, menu item to that? Because sweet and sour has uh, pineapple in it. Right. Sometimes that's true. God, it's a I different sauce really base for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. You're right. It's more the sweet and sour is more sweet and sour. Um, and it's pink yeah right (laughs) yes it is it is fun um and then i would kill mushu wait yeah fork sesame chicken without sesame marry wonton soup nutritional value and then (laughs) uh yeah mushu chicken or pork or whatever i would kill and that's just because i've only had it twice and it was like I still wanted the wonton soup and like the fried shrimp, the twenty-one fried shrimp <laughs> that you get. Oh, plain. Right. We didn't even yeah, get the shrimp one. Yeah. I know. <gasps> I see, know. you have to start yeah. all over from scratch. <laughs> I'll see you next week. It's the the twenty. It's always twenty-one fried shrimp uh, with like pork fried rice or you know French fries. But I'd always get it plain with my wonton soup. That was the thing. So. Yeah, that that's those are my answers. That's a good yeah, that's great. Well that's very answer. nice and decisive <laughs> and, and well well explained. Um Brandon, do you need I feel like you're quite Can I get a clarification this. on Mushu? I have a yeah. general idea about everything else, but uh, Yeah. So I I mean I wanted to put Mushu on because even though I do think it's like one of the less commonly ordered from this category, um, it's something that that I ate a lot growing up. Like it was like, I think also because in my mom's mind, it was like healthier than other things you could get from a Chinese restaurant. So, um, it has basically, it's like sauteed vegetables. It's like cabbage and sometimes like zucchini and carrot and, um, they're kind of julienne. So they're like, you know, very thinly sliced and then sauteed in sort of a savory, like soy, based sauce and then you get these thin little pancakes with it as well as this sort of sweet like plummy kind of hoisin sauce and you make like your own little kind of 
burrito situation. So it's like mushu pancake is like usually fun. what it's called on the menu. It's really fun. And like the combination of like the salty kind of black peppery veggies with the sweet um, sauce and then like wrapping it all up in a pancake. Uh, like in a, It's basically like a flour, a, a much thinner sort of kind of flour tortilla vibe and smaller. And sometimes you can, you know, you can get like pork or beef or different proteins, um, or you could just do veggie, which is, I think, what we usually did. Cool. Clarified. Hmm. <laughs> All right. That being said, next? I could go. I've got yeah, my Yeah, go answers. for it. Okay. Well, y'all know me. I'll be killing that soup. Just <laughs> too much flavor in a concentrated liquid. Not my vibe. I will be marrying sesame chicken. It's a go-to. It's a classic. I mean... Again, y'all know me. And then <laughs> I will be forking mushu. That sounds good. Sounds like some like fajitas or tacos, but uh, yeah, it's like Chinese a style. Chinese Sign me taco. Up. Yeah. yeah. I like interactivity. <laughs> it's crazy to me because that seems like it would have so much flavor. It is quite even flavorful. Even more than soup. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. Like different flavors. Okay. Different yeah, flavors. that's fair. Mm. Liquid flavor is different than, yeah, mm. chopped up flavors. It feels more concentrated or something. Drinking yeah. flavor is different than eating flavor. <sighs> But wonton soup is probably not See, very flavorful. About, <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's there's only like one base broth, at least in like Chinese uh, New York uh, style. It's always the same sort of. Yeah, I don't know. It's very salty, mm, right? Yeah, it's but a I very feel like salty... it's it's such a yeah. I feel like the it's not like most soups. It's it's delicious, but it's not overwhelming. Again, unless you add a bunch of shit into it. So. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. But yeah, I mean, no. That's a good segue to mine because I am also going to marry wonton soup. Um, and I always add a bunch of sambal to it. So it is like a little mm. bit more flavorful and spicy. Um, what is that? Like Chili sauce? Yeah, it's like a red chili oil um, yeah. that I, I also sometimes will just like make my own little like dipping sauce with that and soy sauce. So... I'm going to kill sesame chicken, which I actually, that is something that I do order sometimes. So it's weird to me that I'm just saying goodbye to it in favor of forking (laughs) mushu, Um, which, yeah, it just sounds kind of fun for a night. Like, it's not something I order very often, but I think for a sweet F night, like, yeah, it's interactive. It's like different. Yeah, that's it. You choose the proportions of yeah, how much exactly. you want of everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can be particular about that kind of stuff, so it is nice that they left it in my own hands, <laughs> literally <laughs> and figuratively. <laughs> well, I mean, it's rare that this happens, but Marley and I are in complete accord this time. Um, yeah, I am also marrying wonton soup. Wonton soup for me is actually like a huge comfort food, and especially if I'm sick, um, if I have a cold or something, like it is my absolute go-to thing and they're like I know which restaurants in Brooklyn like have the ones I really like you know and and I do like (laughs) the New York Chinese restaurant style which is very very bare bones it's generally like a clear quite salty chicken broth with like some little bits of pork floating around in there (laughs) Um, and then big ass fat wontons you know Um, maybe some like yeah, a little bit of bok choy floating in there too, but it's like mostly just clear broth and the wontons. And that for me is like, it always makes me feel like instantly like I'm getting 
less sick when I eat it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I gotta marry that. That's like ride or die for life. And then, um, yeah, forking the Mushu. I love it. I mean, for me, it does have like a lot of childhood nostalgia. I've been eating it a long time. And like Marley said, it is like, you can, you know, you can mix it up. You can do different things. You can like, you know, play around with proportion. Maybe you just want like, you know, no pancake for one. Maybe you want to really like load it up. You know, it's like you can you can play. And and also it's nice because you can get it with like pork or beef or chicken or shrimp. You know, you can mix up the proteins and stuff too. So as we all know, I like to kind of like, you know, have some variety on my sweet F night. So that is going to be that. And then, yeah, I'm killing sesame chicken. I do really like it, but it's like for whatever reason, it's never been one of my big like frequent orders. If I'm going to do like a chicken main, I usually get chicken and broccoli or, um, general so's and so, or Kung Pao chicken. So, um, as much as I love sesame seeds, actually, and I'm not, thankfully not allergic to them. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say bye to that. So, yeah. Wow. That was like I a wanna... very efficient one. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. I, I actually want to talk about wonton soup a little bit more (laughs) just because I laughed really hard when you said, you know, I know where to go, exactly where to go in Brooklyn for my wonton soup. And I, whenever I go back to New York, because I've I've been in Oakland uh, or California, the Bay Area for four years, whenever I go back to New York, it's all of my favorite places have changed mm, yeah. and I feel like I can't find scallions in my wonton soup anymore and there's no more little strips of pork. Oh. It's like it's just the broth yeah. and the the really big dumpling which I'm not, you know, going to be angry about but it's like what happened? Right. <laughs> what happened to the scallions? What happened to the little bits of pork? Now you can go to like uh, you know, a restaurant like in Chinatown and then that's where you're going to get like all the, the fixings yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, for it. But all the takeout places, almost all the takeout places I revisit, they're not the same as when I was a kid where they would add all the extra vegetable, which is just the scallion yeah. and then the, the little <laughs> bits of pork. So it's just interesting how, um, uh, Seeing that, you're like your childhood favorites, and again, it's a staple all over in every single Chinese takeout place, and seeing how much they've changed. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I wonder if that's just like a cost cutting measure or if that's like just a yeah, change times in, are tough. <laughs> in taste, also, though, because I think, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you think about it, like, you know, in certain neighborhoods, people, you know, maybe eat halal or they eat kosher. And so you could be getting, yeah. you know, like a wonton soup. Sometimes you get wonton soup with like veggie wontons. But if there's like bits of pork floating in there, then like that maybe, you know, so who knows? It could also just be like an attempt to conform with some of the locals like culinary restrictions or preferences or whatever. But I do love those weird little bits of <laughs> red dyed pork floating around in my yeah. it's like there's usually like three in the whole court but like something about it is nice it's funny because um, i don't actually like i usually don't eat the scallions in a wonton soup but if they weren't there i would be suspect they so, also give flavor to yeah, the broth yeah. like even if you're not actually eating the the green scallion like it is obviously definitely permeating the the broth so yeah okay. it, it would be missed for sure well that was great. Um, Ronnie, I know that you have an FMK for us, but we are going to leave 
our listenership in suspense uh, and make them wait a week before they get to hear what you have in store for us. Um, so yeah, we can wrap this up. Uh, I want to just also let everyone know once again, where to find you, um, between now and next week, everybody, you can find Ronnie at Chima's travel on Instagram. That's C H E E M A S travel. Uh, and we will link that of course in the show notes. Um, and we will be back. Yeah. Again, next week to, uh, to bring some more conversation and more, uh, suspense to your lives. (laughs) Um, more strong opinions Um, and definitely check out Ronnie's Insta and see all of the uh, the tours that they have scheduled for for coming up this fall it seems like there are just a few seats left for some of them so if you are as intrigued as I am by the idea of going anywhere but your living room then (laughs) (laughs) I suggest you you look her up um thank Thank you you so much thank you so much for coming um yeah and we will see all of you next week as always you can find us on instagram at fork mary kill pod uh you can email us at fork mary kill pod at gmail.com or leave us a message on the hotline 347-455-0226 until next week enjoy the sweet sounds of lip biter bye guys bye Bye, thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been a production.